And so what we're going to do today is we're actually going to talk about the vision of, okay, it's great where we've been and God's done great things and we're going to celebrate that. But we're going to look forward and go, God, what do you have next? And so one of the things that I began to seek the Lord from earlier this year is just, God, give, give me the vision. Like, what, what is your vision for your church? Like, where do you want me and the team to lead this community? Where do we want us to go? What do you want us to accomplish? And I think God just gave some super exciting, incredible things that we're going to accomplish in 2023 as a church family together. And I can't wait to share those. And we'll share those in a little bit um, towards the end of the message today. And what's so amazing about this vision, just to remind us, is, is this isn't just like my vision. Um, you're the church, so this is our vision. This is what God is going to use us to accomplish um, from now all the way through 2023 and beyond. But before we get into the vision, though, there was something that I wanted to kind of help put us all on the same page with. And I want us to understand something, because if we don't understand this, this is the heart of the vision. You want to understand the vision of why God is leading us and why it's so important to actually go where it is that I feel God is leading us to go. And so we're going to have to look at today what Jesus taught about more than anything else in the Bible. And when you understand this, and all of a sudden everything will fall in line. Well, do you know what Jesus taught about more than anything in the Bible? And most people go, well, love, no, money, no, you know what it was? It was one subject, and here's what it was. Jesus talked about the kingdom of God and how we can experience the kingdom of God on earth. In fact, let me show you this because I want you to see this foundation. Because if you don't understand this, you won't get the vision, the why, what we've got to accomplish and what's at stake. Listen to what Jesus teaches us when it comes to our prayer life. Here's what he says. Hey, this is how you should pray. This should be on your heart. Here's what it is. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. God, we want people to be in awe of you. And here's the focus right here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does Jesus pray for? Hey, I want you guys to pray that God's kingdom, like it's happening in heaven, happens where? On where? Where it is? On, what's that word? Say it for me out loud. On earth, right? So that's kind of cool. Jesus can be, hey guys, you can experience the kingdom of God on earth, not just in heaven when you die. Now, what does it mean, this kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, they're the same thing. Many Jewish people would not use the name of God because they were afraid to make it in an unholy way. So they would switch it to heavens versus uh, God, but it's the same principle. And so the question I want to ask you, what does this kingdom of God actually look like? What did Jesus mean? Well, the answer is really simple. In a kingdom, listen to this, in a kingdom, a king's will is done, right? In a kingdom, it's not a democracy. The people don't decide the values. Who decides the values? The king. Who creates the laws? The king. Who's responsible to protect the people? The king. Who's in charge? The king. And so what Jesus is saying is that we have the ability on earth to have God be our king, our leader, our father, and actually experience his kingdom. You see this in his statement. Your kingdom will come. What does he say? Your what? What's that word? Your will be done. In other words, what you're saying, what Jesus is saying is you want God's will in your life. Like you want to experience his rule and reign. He does a pretty good job in heaven and he can do an amazing job on earth and you have this ability. So I want you to pray that you get to experience God's peace, his provision, his protection, his leadership, his, 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 of all of these blessings that come within the kingdom of God, right? In fact, this was the central teaching that Jesus did. And I want us to see this. Notice what this scripture says. From that time on, this is the beginning of his ministry. This is Matthew chapter 4, right after he's baptized. This is right at the beginning of everything he does. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the, what's that word? Kingdom of heaven is at 
hand. What is he saying? Hey guys, you need to repent. What is that? Turn back to God. You need to surrender your authority to God's authority. That's, you need to let God's will be done in your life. You know God's word. He's given it to you. He's given you his will. He's given you how to live. So if you want to experience the kingdom of heaven on earth, you've got to repent, turn to God, follow his ways, and you can experience the kingdom of heaven on earth. And then he continues to this. There's a group of people. And, and this group of people are anxious and nervous. And I want you to see how much he talks about this. And they were living in an oppressive government with all these taxes and all these issues. And they were slaves of the Roman Empire. And there was corruption everywhere around them. And it just felt overwhelming. And they began to, Jesus saw their hearts and they were anxious and they were worried. And they were working all the time because they needed provision and things. And what is, at the end of all of that, Jesus goes, you don't need to be worried. Instead, here's what you need to do. You need to seek First, his, what's that word again? Kingdom and his righteousness. What's that mean? Following God's ways. And all of these things will be given to you as well. In other words, that God, if you will seek his kingdom first, will actually be your provider, your protector. He will actually step into your life and in your communion. He will do his thing and you can experience his kingdom. Now, here's what I want us to see. There are two things. I want you to see this. Because there are two things that you begin to notice that Jesus seems to describe when it comes to the kingdom of God. God's rule, his reign, his will, his protection, his provision. And here's the first one. Is that we have the ability to experience God's kingdom on earth today, not just in heaven tomorrow or eternity. Like you see, no, what does he say? Like seek first the kingdom now. Like we've got this ability. I want you to see this. This is so cool. This is center of the vision. Like what Jesus is telling you is you don't have to wait to die to actually experience the rule and the reign, the provision, the protection, the presence of God. Now, when we die and go to heaven, it will be perfect. On earth, it's still flawed and there's still brokenness in it. But, but Jesus is telling us you have the ability right here and now to have God rule and reign in your marriage, in your family, in your business, in, in your life, in your emotions, in your children, in everything around in your society. We have the ability to experience God's rule and reign here and now. That is awesome, by the way. Like, that is pretty cool that Jesus says, hey, the world's broken, but guess what? You have the opportunity as children of God. You get to have God's rule and reign in your life here and now. That's the first thing we need to understand, and it's central to our vision. Here's the second thing we need to understand. We have a part to play, don't we? Like if you look at those three verses, we talk about them. God doesn't say, hey, just sit back and enjoy your coffee and lattes and eat your bagels and cream cheese and I'm just gonna come and bring my kingdom to earth. What does he say? You need to pray for it. So you're seeking it with all your heart. You need to what? You need to repent towards it. It means you need to live in obedience to God's word and his way and his will, right? That's how, that's how you experience the kingdom. The third thing we need to do, we need to seek it first. We need to make it a priority in our life. And I love what the heart of Jesus is saying is it's so important for us to get. We gotta get this. That what he's saying is, guys, if you will pray for it, if you, if you will surrender to it and, and you will follow and walk in God in obedience, if you will put it first in your life, seeking God's kingdom and his righteousness, what will happen is you can actually experience the rule and the reign of God here on earth today. Anybody can say amen to that, by the way? Yes. That, that. So I want us to go because so often we grow up in church and we just keep hearing it one day when Jesus comes back and one day when we die and go to heaven, everything's going to be great. Yes, we're going to have problems in this world. But what Jesus is telling you and me is that we have a part to play, but we can actually experience God's rule and his reign and his will here on earth today. But we've got to play our role and do our part. In fact, what I want you to see and we're going to look at today is this. 
What I want you to understand is that his church, by the way, we're his church. The Bible says that you're the bride of Christ, that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit, so you're his church. That I want you to realize that it has always been God's plan. And I want you to hear this. It's always been God's plan to use his church, his temple or synagogue back in the day, right? That he would always use his church and his people to bring about his kingdom on this earth. Earth. And I want you to see this. So I'm going to go back long before Jesus left heaven and came to earth and taught him all this. I want you to get a glimpse of, for a moment, how God always connects the dots to, hey, at his church's temple is the key to bring out his kingdom. And also we get a glimpse of what God's will could actually look like in our lives. Like we actually are going to get a glimpse for a moment of what it looks like in the midst of a broken world for God to build a kingdom through people on this earth. And so what I do is we're going to go back in time and we're going to look at the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. Because God would rescue them from the land of slavery, rescue them from Egypt. And the heart was, he gathered Moses to the people and said, hey, I made a covenant with Abraham, your forefather. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you out of bondage and out of slavery. I'm going to bring you into what's called the promised land. I'm going to give you houses you did not build. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build my kingdom on this earth through you. And this is important. He actually calls them an entire kingdom of priests that as the world would look on, they would see how blessed God's kingdom is and the people were within this world, and it would draw them to God. And what you're going to see is that God's heart has always been, I want to rule and reign on earth as it is in heaven, just like Jesus says. And that we have the ability, and you're going to see what's contingent on, that we have the ability to usher in or bring in the kingdom of heaven on earth. Earth. So we go back, we pick up the story. It's Deuteronomy uh, chapter 28. God's gathered the people, and he begins to tell them what the kingdom's going to look like and what the thing they need to do. And this is the foundation of today. The thing they need to do to experience the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God on this earth. Deuteronomy chapter 28. He's talking to Moses, their leader, and he says, If, okay, so there's a contingency there. If you fully obey the Lord your God... And carefully follow all of his commands I give you today. So remember, God gave them the Bible. He gave them all of these laws, this, his values, Sabbath day, tithing, what marriage looks like, how to treat other people, what to do with God, how to worship, like all. So he goes, if you will carefully follow all of the things that I gave you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. And all of these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. So in other words, hey, you go ahead and follow me and make you your king. You do live life the way I've called you, my values, because that's what a kingdom is. And I want to show you what I will do in your midst, what the kingdom of heaven could look like in your life. By the way, here's the key. On earth, not just once again in heaven. Notice how God describes how he wants to bless us, his will, what it looks like when he's in charge. It says, the Lord's going to grant that your enemies will rise up against you and he will and will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. He goes, listen, in my kingdom, guess what I am? I'm your protector. Like how awesome is that? God's saying, hey, listen, I want you to know what I can do. I want to be your rear guard. You don't need an army, by the way, Moses. What you need is you need just me. And I have angels. I have the heavenly host of armies. I've got hundreds of billions of angels that can wipe out any enemy in any moment. And here's what I want you to know. Because in my kingdom, I'm your king. And I will take the responsibility of being your rear guard and protecting you and guarding you in life. You're starting to get the blessing, a glimpse of the blessing of the kingdom. It says this, um, that the Lord will send blessing on your body 
barns. He'll help your retirement. And everything you put your hand to, God's favor would not just be about work. It would be in the entirety of your life. The Lord your God will bless you in the land that he is giving you. Then all the peoples on earth, this is cool, will see that you are called by the name of the Lord. Like God is your king. You're following his way of life. And they will fear you. That word fear, we get a word awe from it. They will look at you and go, no one's going to mess with you. Like you are, wow, you have God on your side. If God is for you, who can be against you? The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity in the fruit of your womb. He will bless your families. How awesome is that? The young of your livestock, your business, and your crops of your ground. And the land that he swore to your ancestors to give you. Now listen to this. Once again, here's the contingency. You get a glimpse of the, of the kingdom right now? God goes, when I'm in charge, listen, when my will's done, I'm blessing your, your families, your ministries, I'm blessing your businesses, I'm blessing your land, I'm blessing all, everything that you do in your life because God, I'm protecting you because once again, God controls all things and owns all things and has the authority and power to do whatever he wants to do. But notice what he tells the people, what was the contingency for them experiencing the kingdom of God on earth? He says this, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord, your God, that I gave you this day and carefully follow them. See, once again, remember the beginning it started with, know my word, follow my word. That's how you experience my kingdom. He ends it with, hey, you have to know my, my word, my way, my values, and follow my way and my values. You will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands, listen to this, that I give you today, not to the right or to the left. God says, listen, let me tell you something. When it comes to the values of your land, I don't want the right to determine your values or to the left of your values. It's, it's God that determines your values. And I want to tell you the contingency. You want my kingdom. You want me to bless your family, your marriages, your businesses, your lives, your livelihood, protect your land, your nation, your, your community, your farms, all of these things. He goes, here's what I want you to understand. I'll do that. I'll be your king. You just have to follow my will and know it. In fact, you could say it like this. What was the key that God said was to the people experiencing his blessing, his kingdom on earth. And here's what I want you to see, right? Experiencing God's kingdom on earth is directly connected to both knowing and obeying his will on earth. You see the same thing Jesus says, hey, you seek first my kingdom and God's gonna take care of all these things. God tells Moses thousands of years ago, hey, listen, all you gotta do is you put me first, you follow me, let me king. And then once again, I will take care of all of these things in your life. I'm not saying, this is, I'm not saying that in God's kingdom there's not problems. We live in a broken world. What I'm saying is God's saying in the midst of this broken world, if we will choose to follow his word, to put him first, to create his values and follow his values, that he will bring about his rule, his reign, his will in our lives, in our communities, and in our families. This is the promises that God gives us. And so when Jesus is saying, seek first God's kingdom, when he's saying, pray for God's kingdom, when he's saying, hey, repent because God's kingdom is near, this is the kind of kingdom that God is talking about. He's talking about people surrendering to God and then experiencing the rule and the reign of God. Now, in the New Testament, what's so cool is God actually moves inside of people. And so all of these blessings are not just on the outside, but they're actually God moves with his love and his joy and his peace and his kingdom actually rules inside of people and on the outside of people. Now, so we, what we see right now is God going all the way from the beginning. I want to bring my kingdom to this earth. I want to use my people to bring about my rule, my reign, my blessing, my favor, and all of these things, right? 
So if the focus or the goal of these kind of experiences of the kingdom of God centers around God's values and God's word being applied and known in society, what do you think the first thing that God tells Moses to build? What do you see? This is what I want you to see. This is the heart of this. What does God walk to Moses and go, okay, I'm in control of all things. So let me tell you what you need to build as the foundation of your entire society, of your family, and of your life that's going to enable you to experience my kingdom on this earth. Notice what God tells him to do. He goes to Moses and says, then have them make me, what's that word there? A what? A sanctuary. Build me a house. Build me a, we would call it a church. They would call it a temple. And God says, I want you to, Moses, you're going to do, I, I need you to build me a sanctuary or a house for me. And I will, what's that word right there? I'm going to dwell among them. It's going to be the meeting place for me and the people. Make the tabernacle um, and all of its furnishings exactly like the pattern that I will show you. And so what does God say? Hey, guys, I'm telling you how to experience my kingdom. But I'm also going to give you what you need in order to experience my kingdom on this earth, to experience all these things. Here's what I want you to I want you to build me a house in the midst of the people. Now, sometimes what happens, we hear that, and we focus in on the building. Actually, at this point, because they weren't in the promised land, God had them build them a tent temporarily until they would get into the promised land where they would actually have Solomon build them a temple. But, but, but so what happens is we, we kind of look at this and we think, well, God just, you know, God wants them to build them a house to stay in. You know, he just wants a place like that. But we have to understand something. What God was saying was not to build him a monument. What God was talking about is building an actual physical location that people could experience his presence. I will what? I'm going to dwell among them. I'm going to create, it's called the tent of meeting. I want to create a place where people could come. And yeah, my presence is everywhere, but it's going to be extra in this one place. And I want people to encounter my presence in my place. But listen to this. When God was building his house, it wasn't just a place to come to worship. It wasn't just a place to show up once a week. Here's what you see. It was the infrastructure. It was the community that would actually spread out across the entire land and the people. So remember, so, so God says, build me a house. And if you continue reading it, then he'll also tell you, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to bring a tithe into my house. In other words, I want everyone to take the first 10% You bring it into my storehouse so it's filled with resources. And then what we're going to do is we're actually going to hire what's called a priestly kingdom. There's going to be a whole family line. And all of these priests are going to go out. And guess what they're going to do? They're going to teach you my word. Remember the key? What was the key to them staying? You got to know my word. You got to follow my word. So what we're going to do is every week these priests are going to go out and their job is going to be to raise up, teach, educate the next generation to raise up the people in all the lands. They understood who God was. They knew his word, his will. They would have feasts and they would celebrate and they would come from all over in this pilgrimage, wherever they live, and they would come to this tabernacle and they would offer sacrifices. They would have seven separate festivals that God put in place for them to remind them of that he's the God that parted the Red Sea and they walked across dry ground. He's the God that sent an angel to deliver them, but actually get go after their enemies. He, he's the God that dur during the day was a cloud to protect them from the sun, and at night was a fire to lead them. And they would come together, and they would remember and celebrate through this temple. And so what you discover is this sanctuary was the, not just this religious building. It wasn't a monument. It was actually a living organism, an organization, a community of people that would spread throughout the land, that would teach the people God's word, that would proclaim 
proclaim God's faithfulness. That when you messed up and you were drifting from God every week during the Sabbath, you would have Torah read, the scriptures read over you, and it would redirect your life back into the presence of God. Young generations of kids would grow up in their education, and they would learn. Priests would go from village to village all around and let everyone know who God was. It was a place to feed the poor. It was a place of refuge to come to when you were broken and you messed up and you needed to get your life right back on track. And so when you understand what God is telling you, he's not just telling and building a monument. God wasn't walking up there and going, hey, uh, Moses, could you like build me like, a, like, a, like an Airbnb or something? I can hang out when I'm with you. The whole earth is his footstool. What was he saying? I, I want you to build me a meeting place that I can dwell among them. Because I want to create an opportunity for these people to connect with me and know me and for me to lead them and direct them. This is going to be the, listen to this, that my sanctuary, my temple, my church is going to be the foundation of the entirety of your society. It will produce in its the laws, the values, by the way. Isn't it interesting? Even in our own Supreme Court, those laws given on a tablet thousand years ago are actually posted on our Supreme Court right now and are foundational in the Constitution that our own nation, by the way, was founded on. And God gave it to these people all these thousands of years ago. And so when you look at this, what God was saying is it was this church, not just the building, it was the priests, it was the training, it was the education, it was the worship, it was the presence, it was going off and reaching all of the area, that it was this thing. God said he wanted Moses to build him. Why? Because God understood that God had always designed his church, his temple, to be the foundation of ushering in his kingdom, to keeping people in line with the way God had called them to live so they could experience his kingdom on earth. And so when Moses begins to construct this, and then Moses takes him to the edge of the promised land, and then God takes him up to be with him, and he brings the next person in, a guy named Joshua, to lead the people into the promised land and have them take the land that God had provided. Notice once again... What God begins to tell Joshua, the new leader, the spiritual leader, the leader of the army, the leader of the whole nation, what was the essential part of success for the entirety of their society? Listen to what he tells Joshua. Keep this book of the law, the Bible, always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Is the theme starting to sound familiar, by the way? In everything, Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God. Hey, repent, turn to God's word and way. That's how you experience the kingdom of God. Moses, hey, you know what? Don't, don't depart to the right or the left because you need this for the kingdom of God. Joshua, the same thing. Hey, you need to meditate on God's. Are you starting to see God saying a theme here and a pattern to experience his kingdom on earth? And he says, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. By the way, this is just a challenge some of you. God's saying the key to success to the leader of a nation was not necessarily education. It wasn't a leadership manual on how to lead armies and people and systems. He goes, let me tell you what you ever know better than anything else in the world, and that's my word. Because you following my word is actually a greater key to the success and the strategies that you come up with and any leadership principle that you might develop or learn from on any area else in the world. <laughs> By the way, CEOs, that's the same for you. Moms and dads, the same for you, the same for all of us. And then he says this, this is the promise. He tells Joshua, hey, then what's when you meditate on God's word, you follow God's word, it's the center of society, then you will be prosperous and successful. Like sometimes people are afraid of the word prosperity. No, listen, God, God, God 
all throughout the scripture connects our obedience to him blessing us. Doesn't mean we don't have hard times. I'm not saying we just give to somehow be superficial and get more. I'm just saying in the scriptures, you see God connect all the time our obedience and seeking him and God blessing us in that way. Have I not, listen to this, have I not commanded you, Joshua, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, even when things go difficult. Here's why. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If what? If you keep the book of the law always on your mind. You meditate on it day and night. Listen to this, listen to this. God tells him, hey, my word, which is basically taught in the temple because they didn't have printing presses. They don't, not everyone had the Torah or the Bible <laughs> in their homes back then. So you go, he goes, listen, the system I built of the church and all the priests, where they take these manuscripts and they read and they teach people my ways, this weekly thing that God's given us, which is what, the Sabbath day and keep it holy, you come and you learn the Torah. Hey, I want you to come worship me, all these festivals, everything. He goes, let me say, that this is the key, Joshua. It's not your army, it's not your strategy, it's not your education. It's this is the key for you actually experiencing my kingdom on earth. And here's what's so amazing. What you see in history is through King David and King Solomon, you begin to see exactly what God promised happened. And they, King Solomon decided to build this temple and, and, and it was this amazing temple. In fact, he goes, you know what? Forget my palace. I want to finish God's house before my own house because God's the key to success in, in this land. God's the source of my wisdom and success. It's not me. So we're going to bring the best of the best, the best of the builders, the best of the creators, the best of the sowers and the artists would construct the gold and the finest linens and they would, they would build this majestic house that would represent the glory of God. And in the back of it, they built something called the Holy of Holies where they would literally have the presence of God would dwell. There'd be something called the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant would, would reside there. And that's where God's presence would actually represent with the people. And the people begin to honor God and they remembered the Sabbath day and one day a week they didn't do work. They didn't make any compromise. They were there. They were a part of worshiping the Lord. They brought their tithes and offerings. The priests would teach people the word. All the education was centered on the Torah and God's word. And God blessed them just like he said. And you get this brief moment in history where you get a glimpse of what the kingdom of heaven looks like. And everyone would be in awe and wonder, just like God would say. And there would actually be royal princes and, and, and queens that would travel from other nations to sit at Solomon's feet, to see the temple and everything that is, to learn the wisdom of God. Nobody would mess with the Jewish people, not even Kanye. And then you would walk through this, and you would go through this life, and you would just see God bless them in every... Sorry, I was totally inappropriate. Sorry. The Bible actually tells us in, the day, in these days what happened. It says that, um, that silver was no different than a rock to the people of Israel. That God had so prospered and blessed them in every single thing that they did. That the enemies feared them. He was their guard. He was their protector. He provided them and they were blessed. And all the nations were, were in awe and wonder of, wow, look at what God's kingdom looks like. Because God's plan all along was that, the, that this, the nation of Israel would be a kingdom of priests that would draw the whole world to him because they would see his blessing and his kingdom on this earth. Now, 
Here's what I wanna talk about next, because this is where I was talking about, I was praying about this vision. I was trying to go, God, what's next? So I opened up this, this book of the Bible called Judges. Now, Judges is this interesting moment. It's in between, right, where God tells Moses, build me a temple, build me a house, have the priest, remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy, tithe to my church, do all of these things. Here's the foundation of society, don't turn right or left. And then what I shared you was Solomon, who came in and King David, we know a lot of we know them, where they experienced it. But there was a few hundred years time in between where it's called the book, it's written down in the book of Judges, where you see something very interesting happen. And I want to read something to you that as I read this, as I was asking God for vision, it was like at one point there was a knife in my chest. On the other side of me, it was like I was super excited. So I want to read you what hit me because this is kind of like to me the foundation, if you will, of what our vision is in 2023 and why it's so important. As a church, we do what God's called us to do, and that's bring the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God to earth. And here's what we read. After that, now that's after Moses died, after Joshua died, after God gave them the promised land, did all these incredible things, you know, part of the Red Sea, provided for them, did all those miraculous wonders, rescued the people, you know, blessed them in all these ways. After that, a whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Moses and them are all gone. Joshua and all gone. And here's what happens. This is the key. And another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Now, I want to pause for a moment. How is that possible? Like, I just want you to think about that. Didn't we just read that God had commanded Joshua and Moses that the key to the whole foundation is going to be his temple, his church, and the priest teaching his word, people following it? Like, if you read the Bible, it's great. Because he's like, hey, listen, you got a Sabbath day every single week. It's like, you can't drift too far. You can only go six days, and then you're back to the house of God. And if your whole educational system was all these priests, and they're teaching your children about the glory of God and the wonders of God, and how he parted the Red Sea, and how he's faithful to them, and how he loves them, and he's the provider... Like, like if, 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 if there you have this, this temple, this house, it's the center of society. If God's word is, is like literally posted on the doorpost, so every time you walk in and walk out, you know who God is. In other words, how in the world did an entire generation grow up and not know who God is? Can I tell you? They neglected the house of God. See, the very, in, the very infrastructure that God built to save all of them and rescue them and bring experience to the kingdom was centered around, once again, his temple, his church, being this feeder system that people would come and they would Sabbath day there and they would tithe there and then everybody would send priests out there and they would educate and they would teach and all society and the values and everything. And it was the center of the world. And what happens? Well, they stopped going. You know those festivals God said, come on this journey and pilgrimage and come to my temple and remember what I did? Well, the parents go, well, it's a long walk. The traffic's bad. I'm, you know, we're just, we're just not gonna do it. See, the, the Sabbath day, well, you know what? I gotta know you say take a Sabbath day, keep it holy. We should focus on the Torah and God and worship and read the, but you know what, God? Like, it's soccer season, come on. Like, you know, it's busy on the weekends. It's, it's tough to squeeze you in, Lord. Hey, God, I know what you said about tithing, like 10%. That's a lot, though. Like, you realize inflation, and we got to save for the future. And like 10%, like the first 10%, too, bring it into your storehouse. I mean, your storehouse has already got all the gold in the world. God, I know what you said about intermarrying with, with other people that don't worship you. I know what you said about putting me first. And, and so what, what happens in a society, I want you to see this. Listen to this. They neglected the house of God. 
every single thing that God had told Moses and Joshua and just pleaded with them. The same thing Jesus says, seek first God's kingdom. Seek it first. It needs to be the biggest priority of your life. You need to just like follow God's word. Like the center of your success is all about you. Knowing God's word. Living out God's word. I built a whole, God's like I built a whole system to make sure it goes throughout your whole society so there's no child that ever grows up in my kingdom that isn't in awe and wonder of who I am. But it tells us in Judges that each of them well, there was no central leadership anymore. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. They determined their own values. They declared whatever they felt they were, they were. They determined, God, I know what you define this as, but here's what I'm gonna define marriage as. They said, God, we don't really care. Who, who are we to judge to say that not all these other leaders are the same as you? And little by little, a nation that was experiencing God's kingdom, notice what begins to happen next as they neglected his word and his wisdom and his values and his church. And then it says this, that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and they served the Baals. They began to follow the other values of other uh, leaders. They, they forsook the Lord. He was no longer first and foremost in their life. I mean, they, they might come on the holidays, but they're, that God's not first. And, and they forgot them who, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshiped various gods of the peoples all around them. They compromised to the culture of the world and they aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and they served the Baal and the Asterisk. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of the raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. When they were following God, they were, because God was their protector. But they basically go, God, we're not gonna, make you, we're not gonna follow your values. We're not gonna do your will and obey it on earth. And God's like, well, then you won't experience my kingdom on this earth. And, and these people that God had rescued had these dreams for them. Like, you don't understand. I get part of the Red Sea. I sent angels. I, I, I literally handed the wealth from the Egyptians into your hands. You just walked through and all of you guys are wealthy. The, the God that sent angels to fight for you. The God that gave you a land you didn't build and houses you didn't build. The God that says, hey, I want you to know, I want you to be the head of everything. I want the world to look on in jealousy. I want to bless your barns and your families and your souls and your communities. I want to bless you from generation to generation. You will experience my kingdom on this earth. And now these people had lost everything. And the reason for their failure, they became slaves, was not because of the army, wasn't because of an enemy, wasn't because of a president or a virus or a school system. It's because the people no longer valued the house of God. And it was not the center of their society anymore. And it wasn't the priority in the families anymore. But education probably was, work probably was, but not God's word. And so a whole generation of people grew up and they go, God, we don't even know your word. We don't know your majesty. We don't know your glory. We don't know what you've done. And they end up missing out on the kingdom of heaven on earth because they neglected the house and the word of God. Guys, you see how important church is. In fact, let me, this is the bad side, right? Let me show you the, the good side, because I love this. Because what, what happens next is what really, I told you, one was like the knife in the chest, that's this part. Now the exciting part, okay? We're not gonna be depressed today, it's Vision Sunday, right? So then, I love what happens next, right? Because after this moment happens and all the people are, they've lost their wealth, they've lost the protection, they've lost the favor, everything's falling apart in society. Here's the good news. It says this, look at this. But every time the Lord raised up a judge, now what was a judge? A judge was a leader like Joshua and Moses. 
They were both spiritual leaders and they were leaders over the society. They, they actually have references to one of these 12 judges wearing like an ephod, priestly garments. They would, they would get people back to the house of God and God's word and God's way. So whenever the Lord would raise up a judge for them, he was with the judge and he saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived. And I, I love what God was saying in this. He's like, listen, let's not get depressed and go, oh, wow, we've lost our nation. We've lost our community. Look at what's happened. He says, but when my people will rise back up and they will put my house at the center, my word at the center of their life, guess what will happen? I will bring my kingdom back to them. I will bring my rule and reign, my favor, my blessing, my protection. And he says, as long as the people would come back to me, repent, Jesus says, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As long as the people come back, as long as the house of the Lord is there, we're raising generations up, teaching people God's word and his will. God says, then I will come back to them and they will experience the kingdom of heaven on earth. And so I was, I was sitting there I was on my porch and I'm reading this and I felt like God whisper in my ear. I didn't really hear it audible voice, but I felt like God say to me, this is what's at stake with you guys building Journey Church. Like it's, do we experience the kingdom of heaven on earth or not? And I'm not talking about a building alone. I'm talking about this, this is what's at stake if we get this right. Like the, the same thing Jesus said. Like if, if we will do what God's called us to do, in other words, if we will prioritize the house of God, pray for the house, house of God, if we will teach God's word and lead people to repent back to God, if we will go ahead and pour into the next generation and our kids and, and they learn of the wonders of God, if we once again create smaller communities all around that the people learn about who God is, that we can become a place where people experience God's presence, a meeting place for the world to step in and the church to step in. If we create on the Sabbath day and keep it holy and we keep those rhythms of life, that what we can actually experience is the rule and the reign of God now. Like we, God's like, we can, you can experience my kingdom in your marriage. You can experience my, my kingdom in your business. You can experience my kingdom in your emotions. You can experience it in your family. You can experience it with your children. Like what God is saying to us is, if we will do what God has always called us to do, prioritize the house of God and not just the building. I'm talking about all those things. If we will seek him first, if we will pray for it, if we will repent to it, that God's kingdom will be something you won't have to wait to get to heaven to experience. You can experience part of it now. And as I was sitting there and I was praying for this, it was like this weight, but this excitement going, wow, now I'm even understanding even greater what's at stake with Journey Church doing what God has called us to do. And so with that being said, what I wanna do is I wanna now get to the point of, so what are we going to do? And I'm super excited to announce because there's a bunch of things, like six or seven things that we're gonna launch in 2023. But the heart is, how are we gonna bring the kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God to these different areas of our community and within our own church? And I'm super excited. So beyond just our normal encounter nights we do to honor God and our Sunday services and small groups and all the things that we're already doing, there are a few things that I really feel that God is calling us to step up together as a community to do so that we can experience, once again, what? The kingdom of God on earth. That's what's at stake with this. So the first thing that we're gonna do is we're going after the next generation. Like, we're, like that's where we're gonna start. Because I, I love that verse as haunting, as haunting as it was, that a whole generation grew up and they didn't know. That's not gonna happen in this house. 
And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna start investing in a strategy within our children's ministry here across both of our campuses and work with Pastor Manny and the team and we're gonna work on a strategy to bring to you guys uh, uh, better ways for parents and children to read the scriptures and God's word together. Like, by the way, it's not just the church's job. You're part of the church. Part of the parent, this is also your role. And so we want to come alongside, not make you feel bad for not doing it, but we're going to want to give prizes for you. We want to motivate your kids. We're going to help you and teach you and educate how to do this. And so we're going to have a whole strategy, and we're developing a whole plan around helping parents connect with God's Word and their children in 2023. It's going to be awesome. I'm so excited. Now. The next thing we're going to do is we're, we're going after students, middle school and high school. And so um, there have been so many studies that tell us that it is the middle school age, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, that is the most impactful part of a whole development of a child. Because in that age, this is, this, this is where people determine their values. People, God becomes either their God or their parents. They're just following their way. This is where they kind of make those relationships that steer their life in one direction or another. And so it is the paramount of importance to bring God into the middle school and high school age of our students. So we are going to um, do some really cool things. One of the things that we're going to do is we're going to be building out a really cool area for our middle school students. Um, so we're going to invest a lot of resources because they're worth it. Um, and we're going to be putting all this astroturf in here and feelings. And then we're going to go into their middle school, we call the venue. And we're going to build out some really cool place for them to hang out and eat and have food for them and relationships. And our heart is to build a community for middle school kids in the house of God where they can experience that. All right? We're doing the same thing. For our high school students, you kind of look, we're doing this. We're taking this area out here, and we're going to build an incredible area for our high school students that they're going to want. They're going to be proud of the house of God. They're going to want to be in the house of God, and we're going to invest in that next generation. So they don't walk away and go, you know what, I didn't know who God was. On top of those little things that we're doing, we're also going to be building student mentorships. So what we're doing is we're actually um, raising up leaders in our own community to start taking small groups of eight to 10 people in different age groups, and we're gonna be walking through life with them. So not just a event on a Wednesday night, we're gonna be walking life for them and being mentors with them and coaching them and praying for them. And when they, when they go through a hard time and need someone to talk to, they're gonna have God's voice in their life. Because when you get in middle school, I have one, they don't like to talk to their parents as much. And so they need someone in their life that can speak into them and help them through that. We're also developing student leadership teams because we're gonna teach students don't need to wait till they're adults to serve God. Like they can serve God now. They can experience God now, amen. Um, we're looking at possible summer camps. So many things. We have, by the way, an amazing student team, guys. I love you guys. You guys are watching and a part of this. We have amazing people pouring into your kids. They're awesome. Thank you guys so much, Con and the team, uh, for that. In fact, what was so cool was one of my hearts was, I, I want our students to graduate and not do what I think 70, 80% of the kids that grow up in church do, walk away. I, I want our kids to so encounter God, so know Him and experience Him and love His house and experience His presence, that when they're 18 on their own, they're running to God, not away from Him. And so one of the things we're doing is we're building all this infrastructure, all this team to do this. In fact, it was really cool the other night. We call it Encounter Night. And so once a month, um, we have this amazing time here um, at this camp. Anybody been doing Encounter Night, by the way? It's amazing. It's an hour and a half time where we tell people to come in here and just ex expect to experience the presence of God. It's mostly prayer and worship. We pray over, we battle for each other, right? Because the Bible talks about the power of prayer and we command angels and we move mountains. We've seen healings. Like it's an amazing experience we, we provide. And I really wanted our students to experience this. So once a month, we bring our high school in here because I wanna teach them to experience the presence of God. I want them to know what it's like to pray over each other. 
And I was so encouraged on, was on Wednesday night during encounter night. We had dismissed the high school. We probably pizza party for them and ice cream. We pay for it. Like, we just make this awesome for them. We want to just make it awesome for these kids. And so we go, okay, guys, go ahead. You guys have been here for an hour and 15 minutes. You go ahead and hang with your friends. The boys can meet the girls and all that great stuff when you're in high school, you know. And about 10 minutes after we had released everybody, all the high school, I walked over to this side, which this is their student section we put over here. We put a whole section for them. There's hundreds of kids there. It's awesome. And, and I walked over after we dismissed them for a long time, and here's what I saw was still going on in the student section. And if you can look, there are people on their knees, and they're praying for each other, and they're worshiping the Lord, and, and they're going, you know what? I would rather be in the presence of God and pray over my, my, my fellow students than go eat pizza and ice cream and hang out for fun. Let me tell you something, these kind of students, when you let them experience the house of the Lord like this, they don't run from a God they've experienced, amen? And so we're gonna pour into that next generation. We're gonna spend hundreds and hundreds of thousands, we're gonna do whatever it takes to reach that generation together. And we're gonna be a part of doing that in 2023. The next thing we're gonna be working on, by the way, is our marriages. I think marriage is one of the greatest tools the enemy uses to divide us. It's the foundation, the family was the foundation of, of if you will, the society other than the church and the family, the two things that everything was built on. Um, marriages are under attack in our nation um, in the sense that we have a higher divorce rate, things are brought back. Next generations are seeing such dysfunction in marriages. They're going, we don't even wanna get married, by the way. Um, and so the whole generation has grown up, they don't even know how to do it. And so we're gonna come together and as a church, we're gonna help strengthen marriage in our community and in our church is so important. In fact, this is what we're gonna do. So we actually hired um, someone who's a professional Christian counselor. She has her own private practice, a bunch of people working for her. And she, we, we had this conversation. I was like, here's my vision. What do you think about this? So she is giving up part of her private practice to come in here. And she is going to develop with a whole team. Um, her name is Annie. You see her leading worship here. Jonathan's wife, Annie McQuitty, by the way, is her name. Many of you know her. Um, and she is going to build a team. And we're going to create marriage mentorship. So every new married couple, our goal is we're going to professionally train up these people to walk through. So when someone gets married, that first year is often some of the most difficult times. Is they're going to have someone to walk them through the hard times, navigate them, teach them, keep them on the right path, and provide marriage mentorship for every marriage that needs it in our church. That's our goal. We're going to build the teams. We're also creating called marriage re-engage when marriage hits rocky spots and marriages do by the way if you're married long enough you're going to walk through seasons and so we actually are partnering with a church in texas to create a platform here on monday nights where marriages can come in and they can walk through like a 14-week sessions where they can learn to strengthen this marriage rekindle those flames deal with the forgiveness and actually take a marriage that might not be doing great and actually have it thrive at the end of it and we're going to provide the entirety of the team like we're building all of this out so people can come in here and they don't have to pay, they have to buy a book, whatever that book costs, and they, we do all of this as the church is the source. Are you seeing what God's plan was as the church being the source of helping the families, the generations, the community? And then we're building a whole series of small groups, training up leaders, doing something called Marriage of the Rocks, as well as we're adding a marriage conference in February. We're going to try to pour into marriage and challenge you. We're going to give you marriage challenges, and we're going to strengthen the family. Amen. We're going to do that through the house of God. Second thing we're going to, the third thing we're going to do is we're going to, we're going to start something called Rooted, which is a foundations of faith type of, of course. Uh, we've already started the pilot group right now. We're raising up leaders to help people know God's word and understand what prayer looks like and how to walk and honor God in their life. And we're going to create the foundational groups um, to partner with Freedom, by the way, uh, which Freedom is a group you walk through about worship and you understand about spiritual warfare and the kingdom of heaven and, and you learn all these things, deal with some of the struggles in your life. It's amazing. 
We've had, by the way, 2,500 people will have gone through our Freedom Conference and once again, and curriculum, 16, two-day conference of that over the last few years. That God has gotten the move. We're, we're going to actually do that. Um, something else we're going to be launching in 2023, it's going to be a busy year, is we're actually launching two Christian preschools in this next year. There's a picture of what we're going to do at our, at our Lake Worth campus, what, kind of what we're going to do in, in the, this. And, and let me show you the heart of this. Um, we're, we should be launching this, by the way, in January or February. Uh, so stay tuned for the announcements. You get on a waiting list. I would imagine it's going to fill up so fast right now. As we're going to be able to have over 200 kids in this. And then in Boynton, we started the process already uh, to be able to get that launched as soon as we can get the county approval to, or to city approval to make that happen. Now, why are we doing this? Is because we're going to be able to get 350 kids or families into these buildings during the week to learn about Jesus. See, we live in a county, I want you to hear, if the church is the center of our society, do you realize that 90% of people in Palm Beach County go to no church? That we lived in one of the most never church demographics in the entirety of the nation. Do you think there's an urgency in our vision, by the way, that God's given us? So, they, so these families are moving into town, they don't know God, they're not looking for a church, but you know what they are looking for? An amazing preschool for their kids. And so we're gonna build the state-of-the-art best preschool that we can possibly build at our campus is gonna be amazing. And the heartbeat is that we're actually gonna do that. So these families come in and they do that. And guess what's happening? Now their children are learning about Jesus. So Pastor Frank is gonna be helping us and he's leading uh, the charge with his preschool that we're, uh, Neighborhood Kids is the name of the school we're partnering with to do this. And he's already amazing. He's a good friend as well. He was pastor of a church for a while as well. So, and so what's so amazing is now, hopefully we're gonna have 350 kids in our county uh, th that are going to every, five days a week and be taught and trained about who Jesus is. Families are gonna learn about Jesus. They're gonna be brought onto our church grounds and we'll have an opportunity to love them and care for them and be a part of reaching out into the world. Next thing we're gonna do, and I'm super excited about this, and I gotta rush because I'm already late, but we got, a, we got a lot to accomplish this year. Can you imagine this? It's kinda cool. All right, so next thing we're gonna do is we're actually gonna adopt what, what are called four hope zones in the country of Ecuador. So what is a hope zone? What you do is you go into, um, go back a little bit. Um, can you go back to the beginning to the first one? I don't know why. I did that. There we go, right there. So what we do is you go into a place in Ecuador, we're very impoverished, they don't have a church around there, and we're gonna build playgrounds, they're $20,000 each, and we build this playground, we actually sent our own team to do that, we just finished our first one. But then not only do you build a playground, we commit to feed the entire, if you will, community for one year, which is another twenty dollars to $30,000 we're committing to, to do this for this year. But here's the cool thing, is when you build this playground, you give this food, guess who comes? People. And so when the people come, here's what we get to do. This is the dedication of our first one that just took place. Um, my wife and a team are over there. Then all these children come in these villages, and guess what we do? We partner with a local Christian organization, and they, they provide people to read the kids' stories of Jesus. And so this next generation that doesn't really know about God or understand them now, they are every single day coming and they're getting food, they're learning, and they're not just learning about Jesus, they're seeing the love of Jesus demonstrated because the kingdom of God, His church, is actually providing and caring for their families, showing them their love. And so here's our goal. It's like $30,000 a year for the feeding, it's like $20,000 per playground, and then there's other things we have to do and trips and things to take care of. And so our goal is we got one, we're going to build three more this next year. That's a lot. So our goal is to raise the resources to build three of these, and then we have an entire region within walking distance of these four different communities, and then our heart is to build some sort of discipleship center or church in the middle of this. In fact, my wife and a team, in fact, here's her picture. She was here, um, <coughs> excuse me, last week. Um, but uh, where is she? There she is right there. 
And um, what was so amazing about this, she said that the women were coming up to her because we've been doing this for a while and they were saying, please come and help our men. Like, like, cause they're learning about Jesus and the kids are learning about Jesus, but the husband are at work, they're not there. And they're like, they don't know and their hearts are hard and they need to know what we know. And they're literally pleading for us as a church to bring the kingdom of heaven to their region. And so we're committed to do it. We just made that decision a few weeks ago going, hey, we're committed to build these things. We're looking at all these options and in 2023, we're gonna accomplish that, which I think is absolutely going to be amazing. So here's what we're going to do um, as we come to a close. Oh, I forgot, I almost forgot. We also are launching our mobile dream center. So. Last year, we raised the money to buy a semi-truck, and we outfitted it all with stages. We can do gospel presentations. We can bring um, doctors and tutors and different things to the impoverished communities all across our county. We've already used it, and we're partnering with local organizations to bring to mobilize the church to go bring the kingdom of heaven to these broken people. And we start that ministry in January. we got a lot to accomplish this year. Is that right? <laughs> kind of exciting. Here's what I want to challenge. So here's how we're going to do this, and we'll come to a close. So what we're going to do is we're going to start what's called a kingdom fund. So we're going to take a kingdom offering in the first week of December. And what that's going to do is even when God told Moses to build the temple, he said, I want everyone to bring something in. I want everyone to bring their gold, their silver, their precious jewel. I want everyone to be a part of building my house because all of you are going to experience, right, my kingdom. You're going to experience the blessing. Um, and I want the best of the tradesmen to come in and we're all going to bring our skill sets, our resources together. We're going to build the tabernacle of God which will be the foundation of society. And so what we're going to do each year is we're going to do something called a kingdom offering. It's the only time of year we're going to take an offering. And what we're going to do is our goal is take this money that we all kind of raise and we pray for and we bring God our best gift in December. And we're going to build all of this stuff. We're going to do all these things next year. Possibly even look at, we're also looking at other expansions and property and campuses. And so, I mean, there's so many, like we, we need, it's so big that I just gave you a little glimpse of what we're going to accomplish in 2023. And so we started something kind of kingdom offering. My wife and I made the decision um, that we felt like we, God wanted us to step out and lead by an example. Um, and so we actually already gave, we committed, we not committed, we actually already wrote the check um, and gave to the church to start a, we, so we gave $300,000 of our own money to this. Now, let me just be clear to this. Um, first of all, I don't take any salary from the church. It's not like, oh, he must make a lot of money at the church. No, no, I don't, I'm a volunteer just like you, just so you know, I take nothing, zero from this church. No bonuses, someone said, you take, bon no, I don't take bonuses, I don't take anything, no salary from the church. I'm a volunteer like you. And so I say that not to, not to brag. In fact, I almost didn't want to say it because it's not about bragging or anything like that. It's about helping you understand. I'm not up here telling you to do what we're not doing. Like, I'm not up here as your leader going, hey, do what I say, but don't do what I do. No, what I'm saying is, hey, my wife and I are so passionate about this. We're not just telling you, we want to be a part of this. Like, we want to be a part of bringing God's kingdom to this earth. And so I want to encourage you over these next few weeks. Would you start to pray? What can you do? Get your companies together. What can you do? How can you, once again, honor God by bringing his kingdom? Because this isn't just going to happen. It's not like all these things are going to take place. Oh, that's really great. Scott talked about it now. Good. Let them do that. No, no, listen, listen. What does the Bible say? You're the church. You're the bride of the church. You're the bride of Christ. And if we as people will pray for it, which we're going to pray, if we'll repent towards it, which is what? We're going to bring our life in. We're going to be obedient. By the way, tithing is part of that obedience. Generosity is part of that obedience. The Sabbath day is part of that obedience. Serving God is part of that obedience. And if we will prioritize God's house first, can I just tell you something? We're gonna experience the kingdom of heaven on earth. 
So we need generosity, but listen to this. Some of you may have amazing marriages. You've been married a long time. We have, uh, 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 Andy is in the, ba- in, the, in the lobby at Lake Worth campus. I think she's gonna be at Boink next week, but she's at Lake Worth uh, all the way. As you go out to the right, you'll see up on the TV, you'll see marriage. Go sign up your information. You wanna learn more? Give her your information. Hey, I've been married for 20 years. I've learned a lot. I would love to be a marriage mentor. Sign up. We can go through the process. We wanna start building this. And my heart is this, guys. This is that we begin to, honor Jesus and we do what God's called the church to do that we will experience the kingdom of heaven on earth because it's always been God's heart to use you, us to bring his kingdom to this earth and if we do it the way God has called us, Jesus has promised us then we will experience his rule and his reign and his protection his provision, his blessing and his presence. We won't have a generation that goes, oh, I don't know God. We will have a generation that goes, oh, I want to serve God and follow God. I want to walk in the blessing and the provision of God and walk and experience the presence and the power of God, not just one day in heaven, but here on earth. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the vision you've given us. God, I just pray right now that we begin to understand, we take serious that depending on how we will honor you and serve you and prioritize you and repent to you will be the level of how we experience your kingdom. And it's not just us that's at stake, it's generations to come. So God, I pray that as it starts with us serving you and praying about this offering, Father, that we bring this to you. And this offering means to fund us bringing the kingdom of heaven, not just to our own lives and community, but around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.